You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll continue to dive into the truth of God's forgiveness and what it requires of us as followers of Christ. Worship is one of the greatest ways that God will speak to us. It's, it's a great vehicle through which you can hear the voice of God. As a matter of fact, one day, not too long ago, <clears throat> after worship, um, there was a young man that approached one of our worship leaders and asked if, if you know, they would be willing to talk with him. And, and uh, that worship leader could see that that young man you know, had been crying. And as he began to share with one of our worship leaders, the young man said, I, I finally get it. I finally get it. And obviously the worship leader wasn't really clear on what he was talking about, but the young man began to describe how as a church, I don't remember which campus or which Sunday or even the particular song we were singing, but it radically impacted him because he began to describe to that worship leader how there was something about one of the lines of the songs that we were singing that, that we repeated several times. And, and the theme of that, that song and that line was about the goodness of God and, and how as we were singing it over and over and over again that he had a radical encounter with God. And he went on to tell uh, the worship leader that uh, a year or so earlier that this man and his wife had lost their baby uh, to SID, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And in the wake of that, they had been walking through so much pain and so much grief. But there was something about that song. There was something about repeating over and over and over again that the goodness of God, that in that moment he was struck with the mercy and the peace and the love of God. And even in the wake of losing a child, in that moment of worship, what he recognized is that in spite of the extreme hardships that he had been through, that God was still good. See, I tell you that story because I want you to understand something. When we gather for worship, and when we sing songs, we're not merely just singing songs. The, 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 the praise component, some people call it praise and worship, component of a service is not a warm-up for the message, but rather that singing is really the vehicle through which we can worship God and connect with Him. We can enter into an amazing awareness of his presence. We can commune with God. We can see God for who he really is. We can respond accordingly. And in the midst of all of that, we can hear the voice of God. Are you with me tonight? What I want you to understand is that we must never treat worshiping God as just a rote exercise. It's interesting how some people have kind of timed it. They know, they know when to get to service, and it is always in between worship and when the word gets up. I just want to make it in there in time for Pastor Van. No, 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 I want you to understand. Worship is something that must be taken seriously because when we worship, we have the opportunity to have an encounter with God. See, anytime we see God for who he is and respond 
appropriately or accordingly, sometimes with or without music. That's worship. Sometimes the most powerful moments of worship is not when the band is high and we're jamming and everybody's dancing. Sometimes the most powerful moments of worship are in the still moments. I want you to understand this because one of the best ways that we can hear the voice of God is through worship. Often, God speaks the loudest when we are worshiping him. Sometimes he speaks the clearest when we're worshiping him. Last week, I was uh, at a retreat um, with a group of pastors that I've been meeting with for 17 years. They are uh, an accountability group for me. And um, every year, around the same time, um, we gather together. And these are pastors from all over the country. Some from North Carolina, some from uh, the New England area, Upper Connecticut area, some from Milwaukee. I mean, pastors from, from, from all over. Different denominations, different races. And for 17 years, we've been meeting together. And when we meet together, we, we are transparent with one another. We share. We pray for one another. We cover one another. And that's where I was last week. And, and as I was leaving where we were on retreat and driving back to Birmingham, I was driving back, um, and I had my worship music on, and I was just, you know, enjoying the goodness of the Lord. And I was so struck by the presence of the Lord in my car. And, and the Lord really caused me to kind of go back. And the Lord said, for 17 years you've been meeting with this group. And I really began to reflect on it. I've been married 12 years. So God brought me into this group and they prayed for me to find my wife. After I found my wife, this group prayed for me when I made the transition following God from South Florida to Birmingham. Uh, the, the group prayed for me when God, when God said, start the worship center. At every step, every critical juncture in my journey, this group has been there and they've been praying for me. And God had me reflect on that in the car. Wasn't at church. I was in the car. And I was worshiping the Lord and I was so overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. Tears began to flow down my face because I was struck by, by how amazing the love of God is. That even before I knew that I would need certain things, God had already provided it. And, and I tell you that story because I want you to understand that that's what worship is. Worship is not about whether it's your type of music or your song. Worship is an encounter with God. Anytime we see God for who he is and respond accordingly, whether it is in your car, whether it is at the height of big music or in the still moments, that's worship. And I want you to understand that that is one of the clearest times when God will speak to us. And so if you really want to hear from the Lord, if being able to hear God's voice is really important to you, then I want to encourage you tonight to take seriously the opportunities to worship. Because when you worship, when you focus your heart and your mind on the Lord, he will speak to you. And so tonight what I want to do 
as we close part one of this series on frequency, is I want to I teach you three things that happen when we worship God because they all relate to our ability to better hear his voice. So get this in your message notes in, in the TWC app. Number one, during worship, God meets with us and speaks with us. This is a biblical reality and a biblical promise. During worship, if, if you are serious about worship, if you understand that it's not just a placeholder, it's not just a warm-up for Pastor Van or your favorite speaker, but that there's something critical that God wants to do in that moment, during that worship, God meets with us and speaks with us. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, in Exodus 25, this is what God is literally saying to the nation of Israel. He instructs the Israelites to bring him an offering, and he says, I want you to build me a tabernacle, and here's what he says about the tabernacle. He says in Exodus 25 and verse 22, he says, right there, right there, I will meet with you and I will speak with you. Look at the two things that God says that he will do in that place. He says, I'm going to meet with you, number one, but then he says, I'm going to speak with you. Those are the two things that God desires to happen when we worship. God, God, God is literally saying that in the moment of worship, here's what I want to do. I want to meet with you and I want to speak with you. That's what we mean when we say that we want you to have an encounter with God. Everything that we do, uh, staging and lights and screens and everything that, that we do that goes into our worship services are all designed with one goal in mind, and that's for you to have an encounter with God. That's the power of worship. That's why God says, I want to meet with you and I want to speak with you. Because in worship, God invites us to come to a place where we meet with him and then there's an exchange that takes place. We give him all of our fear and all of our worries and all of our anxiety and all of our, our stress in that meeting place. And in exchange for what we give to him, we get stuff from him. We get love, we get joy, we get peace, goodness, uh, meekness, all, all of the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. We, we get that in worship. When we come to worship, we may come some days with fear in our hearts, but when we leave, we don't leave with fear, we leave with faith. We may come to worship sometimes stressed out, but when you really worship, you don't leave stressed out, you leave with peace. This is the essence of worship. And the reason why worship is so transformative and allows us to really hear the voice of God is because in worship, not going to worship, but, but when, you, when you have worship, when you lean into worship, you get a glimpse. You see who God truly is. And when you see who God truly is, you recognize, wait a minute, he's a great God who, who loves us. Wait a minute, we serve a God who holds, who holds the, the universe in his hands. But at the same time, he cares about the very number of hairs on our head. That's the power of worship. And I love it because when God says in Exodus, he says that I will, I will meet with you. That word meet is very important. That's the same uh, word or the same um, uh, meaning of Philippians 4.19. In Philippians 4.19, the same point is being conveyed. 
And it says, and my God will, this is the NIV version, and my God will meet all of your needs according to uh, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Some of you may have grown up like me with the King James Version or the New King James Version that instead of saying, and, and God will meet all your needs, it says, and, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So notice this, that word meet is also translated supply. God says, I will, I will meet with you. The same point is conveyed in Philippians 4.19 when he says that my God will meet all your needs. It's also translated, and my God will supply all of your needs. The same word is used in Romans 15 and verse 13. I want to show it to you. In Romans 15 and verse 13, the apostle Paul says, may the God of hope fill you. There that word is. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So one word is translated in the Bible three different ways. Meet, supply, and fill. So when God says that I'll meet you in worship, God is literally saying that in the worship moment, I want to meet with you personally. And when I meet with you personally, I want to supply whatever you're lacking in. I want to supply it. And not only do I want to meet with you in worship, not only do I want to supply whatever you're lacking in, but I also want to fill you. I want to fill, fill your need. I want, I want to fill the area that may be depleted, that may be low. I, I want to fill you. And all of this happens by virtue of God's presence and the power of Holy Spirit. All of this happens in worship. Another exciting thing about Exodus 25 and verse 22 is what God doesn't say. In Exodus 25 and 22, he says, I will meet with you and I will speak with you. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I will speak to you. Hmm. That's, that's different. There's a big difference between I will speak with you and I will speak to you. If somebody speaks to you, it's a one-way conversation. If my kids get in trouble and my wife calls if I'm traveling or I'm at the office or something, she says, all right, when you get home, you need to speak to Eden or you need to speak to Ethan. That means they did something wrong. So when I come in, I don't want to hear discussion. I come in and, well, Daddy, let me explain. I, I, I don't want to hear. I've already talked to your mother. I'm here to speak to you one way. But then he doesn't say, I want to speak to you. He says, I want to speak with you. With implies a conversation. All of that God says in Exodus 25 and verse 22, when he's talking about the tabernacle. And I know some of you may be thinking, oh, but that's just the Old Testament. That's the tabernacle. No, wait a minute. The Old Testament tabernacle is but a picture of the reality that we now have with God through Jesus Christ. This is why even in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, for you and I are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
Why do I want you to understand that? Because the same promise that God makes in Exodus is available to you and I now. God says, I want to meet with you. I want to speak with you. Where does that happen more oftentimes than not? In worship. So many times I hear the voice of God in worship. Whether when I get up in the morning and I put my worship music on, if I'm going to the coffee maker in our kitchen, I put my earphones on, and, and, and while I'm making coffee, getting ready to have my time with the Lord, I'm listening to worship music. When I'm just doing work around the house, uh, 99% of the time what's playing through our house is worship music. So much so, have, have you ever been so focused in worship that, that you go to bed or you lay down and you're still singing songs in your heart and in your mind to the Lord? I do that all the time. That's worship. And in the midst of that, I hear God's voice so clearly saying, go here, read this, do this, call this person, pray for them. I, I, all the time, because worship is that powerful. Let me give you number two. During worship, here's another big thing, we gain perspective. Number two, during worship, we gain perspective. What do you mean? In times of worship, when we are truly meeting with God and God is speaking with us, one of the things that we get is we gain perspective. What do you mean perspective? We get a sense and a glimpse of how big God is and at the same time, how small the stuff that we were stressing about really is. It's interesting because a lot of people will say to me, Pastor, I, I really am trying to find joy in my life. Or some people say, I'm tired, I'm burned out, I need a refreshing. Or some people say, you know, I'm just, you know, what I'm looking at or the way that I'm viewing things, I, I just, my perspective is not right. How do I change that? And often the answer is the same, worship. Psalm 16 and 11 says this, in your presence is fullness of joy. I'm not happy. I want more joy in my life. Worship. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And the joy of the Lord is real. Jesus even says, there's a peace that I, that, that I want to give you that the word didn't give and the word cannot take away. And that's real. How do we tap into it? One of the vehicles is through worship. I'm burned out. I'm tired. When's the last time you really worshiped? Because in the presence of God, there is a refreshing. This is Acts 3.19. That times of refreshing may come from where? The presence of the Lord. One of my favorite passages that really helps us understand the significance of worship is in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. This is when Isaiah is having a worship encounter and it changes his life. As a matter of fact, just like I heard the voice of God call me in the midst of a worship service, Isaiah has the same encounter. He says in Isaiah 6 and verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled or full with his glory and at the sound of their voices, the doorpost of the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. What Isaiah is describing is the moment when his spiritual eyes were open. He sees God. He has an encounter with God. 
And what he sees first is how awesome God is. I talked earlier in this series uh, about the transcendence of God. But also the imminence of God. That, that, God, that God is with us, but that God is, is almighty. He's all-powerful. He's high and lifted up. This is what Isaiah sees. His spiritual eyes are open, and he's seeing the transcendence of God. How awesome and how mighty and how sovereign God is. How, how he's over the universe. How he's, how he's higher than any and everything. That he's greater than all. And that's where worship begins. You can't can't really worship if you think that your problems are bigger than God. But when you are reminded that no matter how big your problem is to you, it's no match, it's not even in the same stratosphere of God. That's when worship really begins. There have been times in my life and I've been going through difficulties that people have known about and they've said, "How, how can you worship at a moment like this? It's because I know. That even what I'm going through is pales. It's small. It pales in comparison to how big God is. That's why I worship him. That's where real worship begins. When you see who God is, when you remember, that's who we serve. He's the God of all glory. He's the God that stepped out of nothing and created something. He's the God that spoke things into existence. He holds holds the the world in his hands. The Bible says that that the world, that the the word of God is literally holding the universe together. That's how big God is. And Isaiah responds accordingly because in Isaiah 6 and verse 5, when he has this glimpse of God, he responds and says, Woe is me, for I am undone. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. Lord of hosts. When you see who God is, when you see how how great he is, how awesome he is, and how small our problems are in light of him, first of all, you recognize that there's nothing too difficult for him. But then you also come into contact with how holy he is and how flawed we are. And, And worship involves that. See, it's easy for me to bow in the presence of the Lord and to humble myself because I understand how flawed I am. In worship, I'm, I'm focusing on God, how awesome you are, how holy you are, but I'm also keenly aware in those moments of worship that, God, you love a flawed man like me. Teach Pastor Van. And that's our invitation, too. It's important that, that, you, that you come into contact with your own frailties. This is why pride and arrogance are barriers to worship. Because, because when you don't really see yourself for who you really are, flawed, mistake-ridden, it's hard to really worship. But when you see that we, we serve a holy God, and man, I'm so far from it, but God, you love me in spite of, that's when real worship begins to break out. Why do you sing like that? Because I'm so overwhelmed. By the love of a father. I, I see you lift your hands. Why do you lift your hands? Because I surrender to him. This is what's happening in Isaiah's life. He's coming into contact with the holiness of God. And he's aware. He's like, man, I am sinful. That's the first reaction. But, but then notice what God does. In, in verse 6, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. For he had taken it from tongues, with tongues from the altar. 
With, with, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This is a picture of the grace of God. So this is the power of worship. We serve a holy, sovereign, amazing God. We, we pale in comparison to him. Because you see how flawed and mistake-ridden we are. But, but the love of God is so awesome because, because even in the midst of our frailties and our, and our failures and our foibles, His grace is sufficient. As mistake-ridden as I am, He still takes, takes the coal from the altar, touches my lips and says, says Your sin has been atoned for. How do I know that he still does that? Because of the blood of Jesus. It's the shed blood of Jesus that has atoned once and for all, all of my stuff, all of your stuff. This is a picture of the grace of God. And this is the awesomeness of worship. See, when we really worship, we're not focusing on our stuff. When we really worship, we're focusing on how great he is. How wonderful he is, how loving he is, how kind he is, how forgiving he is, how awesome he is. And as you are focusing on that, you can't help but to focus on my goodness. You've washed me clean of my sins. You've, you've taken my iniquity away. All of the times that I failed you, God, over and over and over again. But you keep loving me over and over and over again. And then, and then there's something that happens in that moment. Because then you begin to see things from God's perspective. And when you begin to see it from his perspective, you begin to see how the stuff that you were stressing about is really not as big as you thought it was. Wait a minute. Okay. Promotion, you, you gave me the job. So, so you can give me another job. You knew that I was going to be in this situation even before I got into this situation. And so even though this situation is difficult, you've already gone before me and you've created a way for me. See, all of that begins to happen in worship. And it's in those moments that the voice of God will be so clear. Let me give you this last one. So I'm basically out of time. Number three and finally, during worship, we are empowered. We're empowered. When we worship the Lord, and by worship, I mean when we focus intently on him, when we listen to his voice, not only do we have an encounter with him, not only do we hear from him, but we learn from him. That's what I mean when I talk about being empowered. I started the first part of this series by calling you to Exodus 3 because hearing the voice of, of God is is almost identical to the encounter that Moses had at the burning bush. And if you were here the first week of this series, I talked about how Moses had to stop and turn aside. Go back to Exodus 3 and verse 1, and I want you to see this. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame, a fire, from the midst of the bush. So he looked. So he's doing what he normally does, which is shepherding sheep, sees this bush on fire. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but it was not consumed. Here's the big deal. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside 
and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. God is speaking. But a part of us being empowered when we hear the voice of God is dependent upon us turning aside to really tune in to what God wants to say to us. Moses is going about his, his regular day, shepherding sheep, just like you and I have a laundry list of things that we have to do tomorrow and maybe tonight, and those, those laundry list of things are always there. But hearing the voice of God often is contingent upon you stopping the monotony of what you got to get done. I got to return this email. I got to check my Facebook. I got to do this. I got to catch up on my shows. To stop what you normally have to do to turn aside and to focus on the Lord. The same invitation that God gives Moses in that moment, he gives to us every single day. This is why even if you're sitting in church, see the assumption is when you come to church, you know, we say, well, I'm going to worship service. The assumption is that if you go to worship service, that you worship. And that's not always the case. The truth is, you can go to worship and leave never having worshipped at all. Because you can sit in church and there, and there are millions of things that you can be thinking about. You could be thinking about what you were listening to on the radio, maybe the news that you heard on the way in the building. You could be thinking about uh, to-do items that you didn't get done or a uh, paper you got to write or something you got to do for work. Or you could be thinking about, I don't know how much time is left. I wish Pastor Van would hurt. You could be thinking about a whole bunch of stuff. The temptation is there to let your minds wander even in worship. But what real worship is contingent upon is us turning aside, focusing our thoughts and our hearts on him. And here's the thing. It requires deliberate action on our part. When we purposefully set aside all of the other thoughts, what am I going to eat for dinner? What am I going to do this? When you set aside all of those other thoughts and set your minds on him, the Bible says even to set our minds on things that are above, that's when world worship begins to take place. And 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 says this. It says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. It says that in other words, when we focus our attention on him, there's something that happens in that moment. We are transformed. From glory to glory, we, we, are, we are transported to a higher place. We are, we are growing in our faith. We're able to hear God and transformation begins to take place, but it doesn't happen until we focus intently on him. Are you following me? Let me say it this way. When I really want to speak with my children about something that's important, what I'll say to them is, look at me, look at me. Take your headphones off. Turn your iPads off. Turn the TV off. Shh, be quiet. This is not your turn to speak. I want you to look at me. I want you to listen to Dad because there's something very important I want to say to you. And when I know that I have their full attention, that's when I will share 
what I want to share with them. This is so good. Does God have your full attention? He's got something that he wants to say. And not just something, some things, plural. But if you're so busy, like often my children will be, oh, daddy, I got to do this, or I got to do that, or trying to do, oh, no, no, shh, shh, shh. Look at me. Got something very important I want to say to you. That's the power of worship. In God's presence, when we shut out everything else, whatever, whatever your iPad is, whatever your earphones are, whatever those other thoughts are, when you shut that out and look at him, that's when you begin to intently hear his voice. Psalm 103 and verse 7. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Psalm 103 and verse 7 says this. He made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. Think about that for a second. Moses knew God's ways. The children of Israel only knew God's acts. What the children of Israel saw or got was what God did. Moses connected with God in a much, much more deeper, intimate way. And when you go back and look at the life of Moses, Moses is often pulling away to focus on God. And when you shut out everything else and focus on him, the same thing that he does for Moses, he'll do for you. I don't understand why some people can hear from him and some people can't. It's not that you can and it's not that God loves any person better than the other. It's whether or not they're willing to focus on him. This is so good. How do you know that God's still doing that today? Because he promises. John 14 and verse 26. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Something as simple every day in my, in my time with the Lord. If I know I've got meetings, conversations that I know I need to have, encounters or interactions that I may or may not even know about. Holy Spirit, I cannot function without you. I cannot say what needs to be said unless you give me the words to say. In that, in that moment, that 20 to 30 minutes of my devotion time in the morning, what am I doing? I'm shutting everything out. This is why, now you don't have to personally do this, you find your own rhythm, but this is why I like to get up early in the morning and have my time with God. For me, this is just personally, is this helping anybody? Let me just talk about me for a second and then I'm, I'm going to close. Personally, for me, I love to do it before the sun comes up. Because there's something about sun comes up, dog starts barking, Kids start stirring. People start moving around the house. It's like I just go in. I got to get it done mode, right? I'm, I'm busy at that moment. So it's in those still moments, right before the sun comes up, that is the most quiet time. And I don't, I don't have to focus on anything else but just the Lord. And that's when I hear his voice. Let me show you an example of the power of worship and hearing the voice of God in Psalm 73, and I'm going to close with this. In Psalm 73, I want to read this into your hearing because, because I've been here, man. I've been here on a number of occasions, and I would, I would hazard to say that many of you have been here. Some of you who are, who are listening to me tonight, watching me tonight, you're here right now. 
What are you talking about, pastor? I want you to see this. The psalmist says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. And when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. I don't know if you can be real enough tonight. I've been there. And the psalmist, the psalmist begins by telling us how in despair he is. He says, sure, surely God's good to Israel. But as for me, like, I, I don't know where you are right now, God. Like, really, what's going on with me? And he says he was envious of the boastful. He was jealous because he saw what looked like wicked people prospering. And he says, man, I was about to just give up. I was about to throw in the towel. He said, my feet almost stumbled. My, my steps nearly slipped. He was tempted to think that following God was a waste of time. He says, surely I've, I've kept my heart pure in vain. Then everything changed. When did it change? Verse 17, he says, I, I tried to understand all of this, and, and it really troubled me until I entered into the sanctuary. He says, in worship, his perspective changed. In, in worship, he brought all of his grief all of his heartache, all of his issues, he brought it into that moment of worship. And in worship, he had an encounter with God and talked with God. And, and then the rest of the psalm, he starts talking about basically what God revealed to him. I'm going to show it to you. Pick me up at verse, verse 23. He says, yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It was in worship that his perspective changed. It was in worship that God says, I know what I'm doing. I'm working things out for your good. It may look like the wicked are prospering, that is not going to last, but he gets that right perspective in worship. And in that moment of worship, he is emboldened, he's empowered, and he's ready to go forth. I want you to walk away with this as we close tonight. Worship is not just singing songs. 
The, the praise period is not just a prelude to the worship, you know, or a prelude to the teaching. I come to worship. I'm ready for the word. No, 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 no. Don't rush past what God wants to do in that moment. You got to take that time seriously because it's in that moment that often you will hear God speak. When our focus is on him, when we shut out everything else and lean into him, that's when you will have an encounter with God. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.